Hey everybody, this is Steve. I am just hopping in to give you a little bit of information. We had a little bit of an audio hiccup in this week's episode. I tried my absolute best to fix it, but I wasn't able to do so. There's a little bit of a kind of a thump in our guest's audio. It's not too bad. You can still hear him. It's just kind of there. So yeah, that's it. So uh, thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast. My name is Stephen Dutzman. I am your host, as always. This is episode 234, and it's board game week. I am joined this week by the Mistress of Magnificence, otherwise known as Mom, Linda Roble. How are you? I'm doing well. Plugging along, getting it done. It's going really yeah. well. Yeah. It's different saying your nickname without Amanda cackling whenever I say it, because uh, <laughs> Amanda gave her the nickname, everybody, uh, if you if you weren't sure. Uh, but we are so enough about us. We have a very special guest. We have Chris Glane, a game designer making and we're here to talk about his Kickstarter because you got a Kickstarter starting very, very soon. So you're going to get no sleep for a month starting in a little bit. Yeah, that sounds about How's right. How's going, man? Oh, great. I'm excited and terrified. <laughs> well, That sounds about right ter- for a Kickstarter pending. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, but please, I was about to say, please don't be terrified of us. We're the oh, least no, no, no. terrifying people in the universe. <laughs> At least no. I am. Linda's scary. Only when I want to be. Only when she wants to be. No, so, you seem love. Yeah, well, yeah, it's it's true. She she puts up a good front. So, oh, man, I'm so going to get in trouble for that later. But Amanda's not here. She can't stop me. So you, sir, are publishing a game with Weird Giraffe Games called Studies in Sorcery. Yes. And so you work with Carla, who has been uh, on our show several times, one of our favorite people in the whole universe. She's great. Yeah. Uh, how did how did this all happen? Did you bump into her at a at a like a, a meetup or I, I think we've just been in circles that have happened to overlap by, you know, going to conventions, hanging out with other designers and publishers. And, you know, at some point you start playing each other's games and then, you know, it's like, Hey, maybe we should work together. So kind of just happened naturally. There was no like formal dead pitch, like uh, most things. Awesome. I mean, I guess it makes sense, right? You spend enough time designer and publisher. Eventually your work is going to end up under her nose and she has, she has very good taste. So I have high hopes for studies in sorcery. This is a engine building game where you are essentially trying to, well, you're trying to get a degree in the dark arts, right? Is that yeah, basically yeah. what it is? It, it, that's my crappy elevator pitch. What's the real <laughs> Uh, well, you've got the start there. Yeah, your your students uh, studying uh, the Academy of the Dark Arts, and there's different schools within here. They have the the School of Reanimation, the School of Alchemy, the School of Sorcery, um, and these are uh, strictly speaking, by by legal definitions, um, not not okay, I- illegal. And so, in order to actually make it your way through school, you're going to have to spend your evenings digging up the materials for your school projects from the local graveyard. Um, so, you want to put together reanimation 
reanimate your your skeleton friend who's going to hang out with you, uh, and you got to go find some bones. So you're going to go digging that up. Uh, you know, you're going to brew potions. Uh, you're going to put that all together. At the core of the game is a, a, a card drafting mechanism where you're going to you know get these materials. You're going to find you know wriggling night crawlers and uh you might find a skull and you might find some mushrooms um and players are going to be competing over these these grave piles trying to find the right uh, materials and then put those together to work on their school projects now of course these, these school projects uh aren't just for grades although you do get graded on them um you're going to learn powerful abilities through this so you're going to master the elements you're going to you know make your best friend out of bones uh and use those to power future projects and hopefully be the best at school uh give your speeches valedictorian at the end uh and graduate with honors that sounds really neat not the spin i was expecting from the reading <laughs> through some of the previews like it it goes a little more darker than I had kind of gleaned from the first read through. So that is really neat. So I have a quick question because I'm you're sure. talking about those three fields of study. Do you have to study all three or do you specialize in the game? Uh, you uh, you can pick as you like. So each project uh, comes from a particular school. So you might uh -huh. be you know signing up for Alchemy 102 and Reanimation 231 or whatever, okay. uh, and layering those together. Uh, you might go for a very narrow build where you're you know let's say you're going deep into alchemy and you've got lots of pots on the stove, uh, or you might be a generalist. And it kind of depends how you want to layer the abilities together. Um, and yeah, the the tilt. Uh, depending on my mood, it'll either sound darker or not. Uh, the presentation is very cute dark, if that makes sense. It's playful. It's, it's, this is, there's no grim dark here. It's, it's about playing with this idea of doing, you know, something a little, a little, a little taboo, but, you know, also totally acceptable for, you know, school, you know, it's a little dry because you're, you're studying at a university. Okay. All right. So I'm going to ask my, so I have one question I ask every designer that comes on our show. And part of this is because I am fascinated by the creative process. Sure. I, I like to say making games is, is very hard, which is why I don't do it because I'm way too dumb. And so why did you make this game? Cause clearly you could make anything, right? Yeah. So why did this game take shape? This game took shape. There's kind of two core reasons. Um, there's a there's a mechanical core here, which is the drafting mechanism, which is not of my invention. Uh, it's it's something made by uh, Mr. Richard Garfield uh, called a Winston draft, which is a mechanism for uh, drafting cards with a small group of players, so like a two per, uh, person card draft. So I've always wanted to make something built around that because once I, I experienced it, I was like, this is this is fun. There's drama. There's excitement, even with just with two people. This is amazing. Um, so there's there's that at the core of it but also there's just like my personality um like to me i i look at this game and like what this is normal is is this weird to you is this i i don't know like the aesthetic works for me uh you had mentioned uh uh you know world of warcraft earlier um and for sure without without a doubt my first character was a forsaken like i was all about uh the undercity and all that like that's just my jam uh we're we're coming up on uh, you know October here and Halloween, and that just that aesthetic is is fun to me. It's playful. So like that, I wanted a game that captured that kind of uh, that kind of Halloween feel of like let's play with the things that we're not supposed to play with. Um, so for me, that's just my aesthetic. Um, so that's part of what what birthed this. It's perfect sense to me. And you're right. If you're into that 
kind of aesthetic, especially like the playful, playful horror. I totally get it. And this definitely fits into that. And I th- arguably the Forsaken and World of Warcraft fit into that, too, because they're way goofier than they should be, uh, oh, which yeah. is which is that's the point, right? Like, it's super fun and horrible all at once. And that's great. Their boss sucks real bad. But like, whatever, <laughs> that's just that's just that. Maybe that's just me. We'll save that for another show. And Linda's over here like, I have no idea what he's talking about, but I'll take his word it's for so it. True. It's fine. It's- I'll just roll with it because you guys are understanding the reference. I'll be blissfully ignorant over here. It's fine. There's there's of the people <laughs> listening. There are like two people who I said their boss is real bad. And they were like, yeah. She sucks. (laughs) And then everybody else is like, wow, way to make another big in joke in your podcast, Steve. And I'm like, I'm a podcaster. That's what we do. It's like we can take it a different way. We could go home. You know, Disneyland ride. That's the that's a great vibe. That is, oh man, it is so, that is fun. But now it makes me sad because I can't go to Disney World because the Fire Nation is attacking. But that's okay. <laughs> oh, by the way, that's what we, uh, we don't talk about the actual stuff going on. We refer to it as the Fire Nation attacking yeah. because it's funny. And that's it. That's all I got. I know, I left. Uh, and somehow it works cleanly. Um, I probably should have explained that off the air, but whatever. We're good. <laughs> so, uh, the so with studies and sorcery, it is so I love how you 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 talk about that Winston draft. I'm a longtime Magic the Gathering player myself, and uh, I am notoriously bad at drafting because I am super forgetful. Am I going to be really bad at this game, or what do you think? Uh, well, I mean, independently, that might be true. I can't I can't say whether you're going to be good or bad. We'll we'll find out. Um, but <laughs> from a, a memory answer. perspective, uh, well, let me explain what a Winston draft is to to general people. Uh, so in a Winston draft um, and in studies of sorcery, which follows the same overall structure, although we, I deviate from there, um, you have a huge stack of cards. It's uh, going to be the stuff that you're drafting through. In the case of studies of sorcery, that's like, you know, bones and worms and mushrooms and uh, all sorts of things. Um, and you put together a, a set of piles. So three piles of cards. Now those piles start small as a pile could be like literally a single card in them. Uh, and on your turn, what you're going to do is you're going to take the, uh, whatever cards are in the leftmost pile, you're going to look at them uh, and you're going to decide if you want to take that or if you want to keep going. So if you take it, you take however many cards in there, one card, three cards, whatever. Uh, and those are going to get added to your stuff. Um, if you keep going, you put those cards down, you add a card to that pile. And these cards are face down. I should, oh, I should totally mention they're face down cards and go to the next pile and look at that one and repeat the thing. So you can either take it or keep going and push on to the next one. Um, so what's going to happen naturally is things that are less desirable are going to uh, clump together and get, you know, in a large pile of stuff. So at some point you're like, well, that's just a lot of cards and I, I like cards. I want, I want, I want lots of cards and I'll take it. Um, so you can just take it at that level where moment to moment you're making a decision about like, is this good for me or not? The, the memory uh, component is if you set that pile down, let's say, and you say, I'm not going to take that, but I'm going to remember what was in it. And I'll take some some other pile. If the next player uh, or players, if you're you know, depending on the number of people in the game, uh, also passes on that, you have some information about what's in there. So you can be like, I 
think that they won't want this enough to take it. So I'm going to hope that I can just leave it here and come back for it later and get more cards as a result. So the the memory component of that is really, really light. And you don't have to engage with it if you don't want to, but it's definitely a, a strategy of like, am I going to be able to wheel this card? Am I going to be able to let this skull that I actually secretly super want, but I'm hoping to get some more cards with it, just sit there for a moment. Just sit and let no one take it, and then I'll grab it later. Um, so those kind of mind games and risk reward is just it's just inherent drama uh, to to the the mechanic, uh, which it plays out in uh, Winston Draft if you're playing with something like uh, Magic the Gathering, uh, and definitely plays out in, in this game um, as there's all sorts of mechanics that play with the piles and let you do things as you get those powers from those projects you've completed. Awesome. Awesome. Sounds like I might be. It sounds like I might be able to cut it. I think it'll be okay. Cut it. Thank you. Thank you for the vote of confidence. Um, Hashtag Steve is bad at games. We do that a lot. So, (laughs) how long have you been working on this game? Has it been cooking for a while, or did this just kind of? Do do you work at like that feverish pace? We've met a couple people that they make a game in a day, and and they just don't sleep for a week. Or have you been working on this a long time? I, it's this one is one of the hardest ones for me to judge because it was stewing in my brain for so long that it like the moment at which I first started to make it to actually like you know make some cards and put them out and play test them with people, it was more formed than most uh, games I develop are. So it very rapidly went from that stage to something totally viable. But then it's also sat in that stage of like this game is good and just deep play testing, getting the balance of all the cards right, uh, and waiting for the right you know window to to publish a a game, which you know may or may not be when the Fire Nation attacks, uh, but definitely is around Halloween. That seems like an appropriate time to do this. So it's a little bit of both. I think I put it to the table maybe three and a half years ago for the first time and then you know just grinding that out and making fun projects from there uh you know really exploring the card design space awesome i'm gonna ask one more question one more you know little question then we'll we'll give linda a chance so <laughs> I, I try not to dominate the conversation that's super rude so the age rating on here they say it's for 10 plus <laughs> how'd you guys settle on that did you you know was there a lot of back and forth or uh, so it's something where, like, uh, you know, I, I, I have a kid. I have a seven-year-old daughter. Uh, and, you know, it's been very interesting wading into this. I'm sure you're very aware of this. Uh, wading in the space of board games where the age ratings can seem kind of random. Um, and one thing that definitely seems to uh, uh, sit is that, you know, eight plus is that you can you know, read by yourself. If there's a, a, an amount of reading that you need to do in the game, uh, eight plus is that uh, is that space. And then there's what is the mechanical complexity of it. And so we had to talk about like, is this eight plus, is this 10 plus? What, what is this? What's the industry standard around that? I, there's no inappropriate content to this as much as I talk about dark things. Like it's, you know, it's, it's a cute skeleton. It's a Halloween skeleton, but given the theme aired a little bit on the more conservative side to go with 10 plus, um, that, that's that's kind of where I landed on that. I've you know I've played a lot of games with my daughter and see her you know what her range is. And this one at, with her at seven, I'm like this is a little outside of your reach, but very soon, very soon. Sure, that makes sense. I mean that that absolutely makes sense to me. And so considering this game has been kind of cooking for three years, that means yeah. you kind of started this when she was four. And so it must yep. have been really exciting to finally be able to have your baby play your baby. 
Yeah, she's right? surprisingly familiar with with all this, having seen it as it go. Uh, whenever um, there's things being made, she wants to look at them. I just uh, I've been designing a playmat to go with the game, which I've been very excited about because uh, I'm I'm lukewarm on playmats on the whole, but there's some games where it's a good match, uh, and this one is from an organizational perspective and a selling the theme perspective. It's really great. I designed one, I printed it out, and she was so excited to see it when I rolled it out. Um, it was it was really exciting to have her just like involved in the process as I go. That's awesome. And I can say, I, I agree with you. There are some game there, are, there are some superfluous play mats where it's like, did you yeah. just make that so that you could say you made that? Cause you knew a guy that had a template, but then there's some games like splendor where it's like, I don't know how you play this without. Yeah. Play yeah. Like, so I'm glad I, I'm excited to see what yours looks like, especially, you know, since you made it kind of a family project. Oh, do you have it there? You can show us it's bad radio, but I, Whatever. I know I can. It's like, what do I do? Do I tilt my laptop or I hold up the playmat? It's like <laughs> right over here. I don't even know. I'm just tilted upside down. I can describe it. That's my, better. It's got nice, clean. It's got nice, clean lines from what I can see. <laughs> That's good enough for me. I am a you got you got a, a, a central market, which is like the university bookstore where you get your your projects. Um, and that's uh, something where you organize things and uh, projects come and go. And so having so having some lines and some space to uh, delineate that is nice. Uh, and then you got the other half of the game, which is the graveyard where you're doing your, your digging. Uh, and there, that's a great place where it's like, it's a stack of cards, but if it's a stack of cards with like a, a tombstone on top of it, that just like pushes it that much further. Um, so uh, it, it incorporates the art there. Um, one of my favorite things about this game is that the turn track is not a turn track. Uh, it's, it's kind of instrumental to the game, which is um, the school of sorcery uh, is all about the moon and the phases of the moon. And as the turns move forward in the game, you go through the phases of the moon. So um, it'll be the first quarter, then the full moon, the third quarter, the new moon. And you'll have abilities that are like, oh, well, only when it's a full moon can I do this powerful thing. Um, and so there's, there's absolutely a way to represent that in the game uh, with cards uh, without the playmat but it was really fun to just like put it on the play mat and like have the sky and have the moons there. And that, uh, I, I love that uh, ability to just reinforce the theme. Super fun. That awesome. sounds really neat just to tie it all together. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was stoked to, to make this had been bubbling in my head for a while. Uh, so in addition to designing the game, I also do the graphic design and illustration. And so to take the design brain and the illustration and all of that and apply it to that holistically uh, is, a, is a great opportunity. I, I, I'm, I'm excited about it. That's awesome. Wow. So doing the so you did all right. I'm Linda. You go, and then I want to talk more about. That's okay, this well, that's okay because I went my my question just morphed because of that information. So, <laughs> so you did all of this. So you didn't have an artist yeah. that you that was pulled in. This is also your artwork. Yeah, this is also my artwork. Wow. I feel incredibly vulnerable sharing this game with people because, like, if you don't like this, uh, you, this this is uh, I made I made this. So uh, my fingerprints are all over it. Um, yeah, yeah, I, all the illustrations wow. as well. So in light of that, and especially knowing this new information, so what obstacles did you encounter? Like, what were the biggest areas that tripped you up or caught you off guard as you're going through, whether it was in the design space or in the artistic space? Or maybe um, both. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you're, when you're doing all of them, they're kind of all moving together in parallel at different points. Early on, the design of the game had more of a, to borrow like a, a video game term, a tech tree feel. So you would like assemble a skeleton from bone parts 
And then as a separate step, you would animate that skeleton. And it, it was this like layering little constructions together in order to make bigger things. And the whole thing happened on mini cards and was uh, it, totally different uh, feel from what it is now. Um, lots of evolution there, but that evolution is both like in the design of like, maybe, you know, don't have such a linear tech tree, more have abilities that you layer on, on naturally, but also in the design of like, well, what should these project cards look like and how do you interact with them? Um, how do they sit on the table such that you save space as you play the game? Cause like, you know, an engine builder, you end up with a bunch of stuff you can do. Well, it's great. How do you organize your play space? And that stuff all feeds into the graphic design, how the illustrations show up. Like it's, all interconnected. Um, so for me, it's very natural to just work on them all at the same time. Um, and so, you know, the, everything's moving forward bit, bit, bit by bit. It's wow, almost like no you're a user years. interface designer. Uh, yeah, I, I, I actually am. Uh, I'm a user interface uh, developer as my job. So that's, it's something I spend a lot of time thinking about is how do you interact with things and what's intuitive. User interface designer making an engine building game. Sounds like, you know, <laughs> sounds, sounds pretty perfect. Sounds pretty perfect. <laughs> that's where you can take the day job and integrate it with the side job. Yeah, but you got to leverage your strengths, you know, like what are you good at? Uh, exactly. So. That happens to work for me. Absolutely. Nice. Do you so, want to fire off another question or do you want me to I, go? You know what? I, well, why don't you go? Because I have some rather general questions that are for, you know, that are uh, less about this game and more about just in general. So why don't you okay. go? And then we'll. So I was wondering if there was like a you have like the dark arts, like this college theme, which is really <laughs> a neat. I'm here talking about classes and I'm flashing back to all my years in university. And was there one thing that really inspired that theme of the, the dark arts and university and was one thing that kind of brought that to you or did you piece together from different sources to kind of draw your inspiration? I definitely think lots of different sources. And I think part of it was to take the theme and make it palatable is when you when you reduce it down to like oh you follow these steps and you've produced like arcane magics like you're baking a cake or something you know you you walk the steps there that's part of what can give it a humorous tilt is like we're doing things that sound mystical but we're we're not we're not here because of raw talent right like there's nothing about this game that says like you're talented that's right here it's like no man you're just taking the class you sign up for the class you like you're 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 going through the the bin trying to find the things you need and it's very scrappy like try to piece it together um and i think that the 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 school theme reinforces that it's just like accessible to everyone like you, you too could be a, a a magician um i like to think of you know it, I'm going to reanimate the skeleton because I need a friend, you know, like there's this very mundane aspect to it that, that happens to work for me. And that's that's kind of where the school and dark arts and, you know, where those themes overlap for me. That's really neat. You're just following your syllabus and you do what the professor says yeah. and you get your that's really neat. Now, it's neat yeah. to see this, how this morphed into it, um, just because it's a, it's a different flavor theme than what. I've seen out there before, yeah. which is really nice. It's my own quirk right there. Nice when you can use your quirks and create something amazing. Definitely uh, having this game and, and going out and playtesting it just with people, because that's what you do. You're a designer, you just find random people and you play your game with them. Uh, with something like this, you never know if that theme's going to resonate with people. Uh, they might be like, oh, okay, that's cool. That's interesting, that thing that you made. I'm I, I'm not into that. It's been great to see the just the positive feedback of people being like, oh, yeah, you're, you're that this is also my jam. Like, let's do this. 
Um, so I, I feel the weirdness and also reinforce them that my weirdness is okay. <laughs> well, we are definitely in the weird club and the side of the table as well. So Wonderful. yeah, Just different corners of the, the, the nerdy forest. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So my, my question is, in a lot of our listeners, they, they listen with their kids and stuff like that. And a lot of folks have kids that everybody wants to make games right now. That's like the big thing, right? You know, so all these kids want to be game designers and a lot of them, you know, want to make video games, but a lot of them find their way, you know, wanting to make board games. And so um, how did you find yourself making games? Because, you know, when we were kids, I mean, I, I, I don't presume you are as old as I am, but I mean, obviously board game design was not something you really thought about, you know, when we were kids. How did that, how did you like stumble into this? Um, good question. I've, I've always considered myself a gamer in all, all senses of the word where I play board games and I play video games. I play card games and I play role-playing games. Like I like play. I like structured play with people. Uh, and that's always been a way of how I, I connect uh, with others. Um, but like getting into board games, you know, modern board games was something that, you know, opened up to me a dozen or so years ago uh, where, you know, I, I wasn't tracking this. I'm like, wait, what, what are these like quirky, quirky, weird designer themed board games that are coming out? This is amazing. And when I became aware that was an option, I started applying just some of my sense of play to that so you know maybe before then i was practicing it by you know playing D with friends i did some video game development but you know taking and actually playing it to physical components was was a new thing um and then i did that kind of just it's nice to have an analog hands-on physical project you know people have hobbies and crafts uh for reasons and uh board game design is very much that you're thinking about the physical space you're about the place between the space between people uh and the components you're working with um so that's just as someone who works you know in digital stuff as a day job that's just a great relief to you know have an outlet that is is like that but is also exercising you know play um so i worked at that uh and then you know had some ideas i think as a game player if 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 not maybe not everyone uh certainly for me uh, i'll have critiques or thoughts about a game where i'm like oh i think it would be better if it was like this or uh you know i I wonder if someone would do this and at some point it was just a matter of like i'm not going to wait for someone to do that i'm just going to explore my idea so i'm going to take this game that i like and take a piece out of it and build something off of that and see where it goes and once i kind of decided to do that the the rabbit hole was was deep uh and i've been tumbling ever after uh you know took a took a bit but i found my community of other game designers and then when you're riffing ideas off of each other and you're you know forming a family bond with these people that you're putting your ideas in front of week over week uh it just became just this wonderful thing in my life but one thing that you said that made me think about you know having a kid in in in, in this space uh how do you how do you get into that as a kid or you know kids want to be interested in game design this 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 summer my daughter started taking coding lessons with uh where they do coding in scratch which is excellent uh and she absolutely loved that that was really fun and really fun to see her have ideas and be able to manifest them um but when it comes to board game space like man watching kids play with components that's where you learn everything because they have intuition about like what's actually fun. How do you tell story with things? They're, they they like step outside of themselves and just play 
in the most pure sense of the world. So she's she's been essential to a number of my designs, just like seeing like, oh, oh, that's where the fun is. Thank you for showing me that. It's so true. We get so caught up in what we should do. And yep. they don't have those standards to say, oh, I have to do this. They just they just play. It's they so play. pure. You're right. I love seeing that. Yeah. It certainly made our jobs easy because sometimes we're connected to the gaming space, right? But it's easy to kind of miss the obvious stuff when you're, you know, we're, we're thinking about gameplay loops and we're thinking about the quality of the components and, you know, like you're thinking about like the stuff that is important. It's no less important, but, you know, but then you hand a game to our youngest kids and they'll straight up tell you if it sucks and (laughs) they don't like they don't hold back and that in and of itself has been really eye-opening to be able to you know we get these games in we hand them off and like we can tell whether the kids are in and they know they live they live a very tough life as you can imagine chris with games coming in and you know trying new stuff all the time my my kids are super upset about these next generation consoles they're just so what are they going to do with themselves but um i i say very sarcastically um they're gonna help me unbox them for youtube is what they're gonna do <laughs> they're gonna earn their poor teeth. children but i know poor children <laughs> so be so miserable but the but it is great and, and for designer you know having having somebody that can really just cut right to the core of what you're doing and be able to say no dad this is no fun it's like did you guys ever see the movie big yeah. Oh my goodness. Remember yes. the scene? Remember the scene? Uh, and this is the thing I remember about like, you know, when we talk about kids and how they can really kind of see the truth. Remember when they hand him the, the, the building that transforms and he's just like messing around with it and behind the scenes. And he's like, what's so fun about this? Like I will, that scene among others, but like that particular scene just burned into my brain. The idea that like, we just kind of forget, you know? Um, yeah. But then you're a designer, we're critics, you know, we also, you know, fortunately we can peel some of it back because, you know, we're, we do this for a reason, you know, um, we're not trying, none of us are trying to take over the world with any of this stuff. What did the prototype for this game look like when you first made it? I always love to ask about this. I love prototypes. Was it a stack of magic cards with Sharpie on them or? Well, there may have been magic cards involved as the, the, the backing for cards and card sleeves. Cause that's just kind of, listen, no, that's just critical. Like if you yeah. game design one Oh one buy a lot of land, on eBay, you'll have all the playtest <laughs> cards you need, or find your friend that drafts a lot and just take their um, their commons and lands. You're good. Yep. Um, yep. So, what else did you have? Uh, I kept the game as cards only for as long as possible um, because uh, the previous project I've been working on uh, had a fair amount of other components uh, and I wanted to see if I could just make something tighter and smaller and simpler. And it took me forever to give myself the design space to to add something else. And what I eventually did was these extra credit and demerit tokens, which totally opened up new design space. Uh, So, for example, uh, if you're brewing a potion, you can uh, add uh, materials to your projects at a certain rate. And if you add them too fast with a potion, you add demerit tokens because you rushed it and it's, you know, it's too thin. Uh, it's not as good. And on the uh, flip side, the reanimation tokens, they take particular bones. And if you use very choice bones, uh, you will get extra credit uh, tokens on those, so making them worth uh, more credits for your final grade. So, you know, you can make your uh, flame skull with the, you know, with a human skull if you want. But if it's a dinosaur skull, that's 
way better, and that's going to be way more impressive. I mean, that's um, obviously true. Yeah, that's I mean, it's 100% true. true. I don't even I, I've never even played the game, and I know that a, a flaming dinosaur skull is better than a flaming human skull. Yeah, ten yeah. out of ten, <laughs> hands <laughs> down. Hands down. All right. Yeah, uh, but the, skulls the, down. You know, <laughs> skulls <laughs> down. <laughs> Uh, it started with That's mini cards, opened up to poker cards. Uh, it had my illustrations on it from the beginning. Those got better in quality as it decided, like, you know, kind of where the visual space would go. Sure. You know, the graphic design evolved a lot. Now the projects have this kind of book feel where on the front you have, here's what you need to do, uh, and a little peek of what's going to be, you're going to get when you complete it, and then you flip it over. Uh, when it's done and that's you know that's the the ongoing effect which is minimizing the amount of information you need to see on the table uh because it's just what's relevant now and then a little splash for some art i had really fun uh there's like little scraps of paper and little notes on the back it's all just like flavor you know non-distracting visual items but yeah it, it started out as not that you know it was just like some words on a thing uh and then over time you incorporate all this little information to just make it a smoother and more fun experience uh but this one's you know mostly cards it's it's uh, yeah. uh, poker size cards for the projects and uh, mini size cards for the grape cards and then some tokens that's all it takes and, you know everything lightens up through through how you put it together Sure. Cool. Cool. We have we have seen some things, as you can imagine. We've been doing this for about seven years, so I've been a, we've been around almost as long as Kickstarter board games have been on Kickstarter. And I'll tell you what, I have had some very interesting prototypes shown to me that some of what yeah man it's been, it's wild. So I always ask that question because I am super fascinated. You know, it's one thing to like think up a game in the shower. You know, like mm-hmm. it's there, but it's another. It's like these are the what are the tools at your disposal to kind of make it take shape even if even in its most rough form and like i said i've seen some things so and and most of the time involves magic cards or you know buying a a gross of bicycle playing cards so you know that they'll survive a little bit um it's all you need and or you know or a trip to the dollar store yeah i had one where every that was sent to us where every piece was uh it was all legos so it was like a playing board that was like printed out on stuff and then all the little tokens were just different combinations of legos put together into like little cubes it was i was like listen if that's what you got on hand apparently they had like a secondhand lego store like down the road so they were whenever they need components they just go spend six bucks and and come home with like a tupperware of legos like I wish that that's just the coolest thing. That just sounds like fun. Super it's like oh, I need to make a new copy of the prototype. Okay. Oh man, I'm so miserable. Oh, this is so bad. Let's go buy Legos. I must go buy Legos. So, so you got I, I do yeah, have a question. Right. So I see the game is listed as one to four players. Was yeah. it your idea to have the solo mode? Or was that uh, Carla's influence? I had a solo mode originally, but Carla definitely has a strong solo influence. And she really pushed on me to make it better and contributed a, a lot of great ideas about how to, because the way I had the solo mode working, it was like, ah, oh, you need a, a die as the randomizing element here. Uh, and so she had some ideas that just, you know, build it into the cards. It was really great. Um, and, uh, you know, ever since the Fire Nation attacked, that's been the best way to play a test uh, for me is the solo mode. And I'm so glad that it works well because that's, you know, been uh, what's been available. Um, the It doesn't take much to make the game interesting to create these like random play states uh, and put this pressure on you so that you still feel like you're playing the game. You're still trying to get your stuff together. It's It feels like more than just a score attack. Um, 
uh, where you can explore combos and all these sorts of things. So uh, it was something that existed, but wasn't as important and then suddenly became much more important. So I, I'm really happy with the extra time we put into that and went from being able to say like, yeah, you could do that if you want to like, oh no, super fun. Solomon's great. Yeah, and it's very timely. That's definitely a huge selling feature, especially where we're at right now. Yeah. Yeah. And Carla is great. That's like the solo modes are her jam. I know we the last time she was on, we talked a lot about why she likes them and why she likes making them. And it's just fascinating thinking about how that all works. I'll be honest. The first time I heard about a game being like, you know, you see games that are listed like one to X players for me in my own brain. The one never registered. Like I just, there were all these games that I came across that had solo modes and it was like, it, like a Mandela effect. Like it just didn't happen. Like, no, those aren't solo games. This is not a thing. And until it was really Carla that kind of opened my eyes where she was like, no, for real, there's a lot of games out there and I want to make sure that as many of my games have it. And she, ex- we were having a random chat at some point and she explained why and very briefly. And I was like, okay, it all makes sense to me. And uh, Jeremy Howard, who is a content creator with uh, man versus Meeple who he's one of the solo board game guys like out there. That's like his brand. Uh, I talked to him about it too. And he's like, there's something about you love board games, but it's hard to get, you know, eight people at the table. Like you might want to play twilight Imperium, but you get to play it once every other year because you got to get eight people willing to spend three hours per person playing this game. Whereas with a solo mode, you can grab a beverage, sit down and, and play it much the same way that I would play a video game. Um, yeah. I, I similarly, it's not something that I would look for or something that I would exercise. You know, if you asked me rewind time and you asked me, I'd be like, well, the whole point that I'm into to board games is to sit across the table from a person and, you know, share some some space together. And that's why I'm here. But my mind has expanded and my, my needs have expanded. And there's a there's a lot of great use cases. Sometimes it's just a way to explore the game so that you can teach it to others better. That's that's a valid thing. But like, yeah, over the past months, I've really enjoyed the ability to like because it's harder to to play with people to be like, no, I I'd still want to play some stuff. And this is actually still super fun. I like video games and I actually like solo board games. Who would have thought? I think the overlap, that's one of those things. I think there are a lot of folks that are that that burn hours into these single player playing games and stuff like that. I think let's say Skyrim. I bet you the overlap between people who really like Skyrim or other really crunchy games like that and people who would really dig solo board games. I bet you there's a significant overlap. I bet you they just don't know, you know, and obviously, you know. Who thinks about buying a board game to play it by themselves? But I think it's something that more folks will do. I mean, it's certainly a growing market, and it grows every time a new game hits Kickstarter with a solo mode. Speaking of which, when's your game coming to Kickstarter? I think I forgot to ask that in the beginning. Uh, like October 6th is the, <laughs> is the date. Very, very soon. A week from today. Yep. Wow. So those listening, we record this on we record on Tuesdays. We publish on Friday. So all y'all, by the time you listen to this, you will be just a, just a few sweet days away. So head on over to Kickstarter. We will make sure when we publish this on engagefamilygaming.com and share it on our socials. We will share a link out to the Kickstarter so you can go take a look at it. And I have gotten a, I was graciously given a preview of the Kickstarter page and it's cool, has a lot of information. So if you've listened to this and we've kind of piqued your interest, 
go look at that Kickstarter. It's going to fill in a lot of the blanks. It's obviously, you know, we're just talking. We can't really show you. Uh, but the Kickstarter does a really good job of telling the story of why you would want this game. And that's really what a Kickstarter page is for. So uh, Carla is great with those. And so definitely take a look at that. I think this is very interesting. I can't wait to look at it and, you know, see where it goes. Linda, what about you? You think you, you think your boys would like it? I think well, so. There's something oldest, very obviously. It's yes, a little older, it's a little so. much for the, for Eli. He's only eight, so it's you know not not too far from it. But I think it'd be a little much for him. I think Isaac would be really into it. My twelve year old, and it's got that like you know that being that kind of like fun, creepy. I think he'd really enjoy that. And he's very into magical skills and um, yeah. that theme right now. So that's this is right in his wheelhouse. So oh yeah, kids kids love uh, ghost stories, and that's kind of the like that vibe just totally blends well into this. Absolutely. So when people go on Kickstarter, do you know what the price of admission, so to speak, to get the the game is going to be? So if we can get our dollars ready. <laughs> if only I did. I actually don't know where that's landing. This is one of the glorious things about being uh, the designer and working with a publisher so that you just don't have to worry about those things. Oh, I believe it will be very affordable. Uh, and I'm actually really excited that this will be accessible to a large number of people. This will fit into that window of like, maybe you're not sure. Maybe you're, you know, you're deciding whether to trust my words and my recommendation. Uh, but I think it'll be right in that spot where you're willing to give it a gamble. Um, and so that, that's great to me. I would love to, I would love to have my game played by a whole bunch of people that would make me incredibly happy. Well, the good news is that those of you listening don't have to wait too long because it's going to be up on the Kickstarter <laughs> and you can't watch a Kickstarter without having a price on it because that would <laughs> yeah. kind of defeat the purpose. So definitely everybody take a look. We will make sure to include that pricing information in whatever we publish when we uh, when we are able to. But it's going to be on the Kickstarter. And really, this is all about getting a chance to talk to you, Chris, which, would, by the way, this has been a pleasure. I wish we could send out ribbons for the fastest and most most fluent to buy into our fire nation bit. Like you heard it, you chuckled and you just rolled right in. And I was just almost natural. It's like I warned you, but I really didn't. You just rolled with the punches. So this has been a whole lot of fun, Chris. Thank you very much for coming on the show with Linda and I. Oh, this has been fantastic. Thank you for having me. Um, and we'll have to have you come back and, and we'll, we'll have you on the wow show and we'll talk about the forsaken and how their boss oh, yeah. sucks. Um, that'll you be, won't see me there. I don't watch that. I don't do that one. Yeah, no, I have a, I have I have a different host for every podcast other than me. So that would be me and Dana. And we play Alliance. So we, we love to talk about how much the boss of the Forsaken sucks. So we'll do that. Linda, would you believe it if I told you that that was episode 234 of the Engaged Family Gaming Podcast? I'm I'm stunned. It's come up so fast. It has come up fast and they haven't fired us yet. So everybody, uh, I hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed recording. Clearly we were having all sorts of fun here tonight. We will be back next week. It'll be video game week. And we have a very special guest, a, uh, who's going to talk to us about streaming. And also we're going to talk a whole lot about among us. So if you want to know what your kids are talking about, Come tune in next week because we're definitely going to be sus. So everybody have yourself a great week. And until next time, don't forget to get your family game on. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.